Have you ever looked at something and thought that this may be a very bad idea? You would think that when you see a pale tree in the middle of the field, not too far from a church, especially a tree that talks to someone and gives that person healing powers, my gut feeling would tell me to get the F out of Dodge and never to return. Hello my spooky friends, it is I, the Whorehound, and I would like to take this opportunity to do a quick movie review on The Unholy, which was released in 2021. So grab your rosaries and start praying because this movie is all about testing your faith and then some. So essentially, this movie stars Jeffrey Dean Morgan as a journalist with a bad reputation, and so it starts out with him receiving a tip about cattle mutilation, which really turns out to be nothing but some punk kids pranking a farmer. But when it comes to considering about a deaf teenage girl starts that hearing the voice of the Virgin Mary from this pale and scary tree, now that is something worth investigating, at least we hope. Based on James Herbert's 1983 novel Shrine of the Unholy, is fairly standard religious horror and has some excellent jump scares. But overall, there's something routine about the execution, bits that feel sketched in as opposed to filled out, and a surface-level interest in the main theme of Herbert's novel, what happens when the unholy masks itself as holy. The local priest says and warns, wherever God goes, the unholy follows. You got that right. Shit. The devil does a swagger in the town, cackling with evil glee, like, Hey, guys, what's happening? So, no, the devil is a smooth-talking charmer. He is, you know, the master of lies, the father of lies, whatever you fucking call him these days, I don't know. The Unholy is not designed to be a deep, but since it, the glimmers of depth are present, the lack of follow-up makes this a disappointing watch. Alice has been deaf since birth, but after her vision of the Virgin Mary, she can hear and speak. It's a miracle. Hallelujah. So soon after, crowds start meeting around the terrifying tree, coming to be healed by Alice. Alice and Finn develop a friendship. This one is of the aspects of the film that's not really explored, which I thought they did, but I'm a little disappointed about that part. And so the media flocks to town, but it is Finn who gets the exclusive interview with Alice. This will be his ticket back into the big time. He can feel it. Big time. Really? I mean, no, that's not what's going to happen. I'm going to spoil it for you guys. So if you don't want to hear it, then just stop listening. Five, four, three, two, one. Moving on. Okay. So maybe if he dug up the comparable of the Pentagon Papers, or uncovered evidence of war crimes, or maybe if he tripped over a long-lost safe deposit box containing Adolf Hitler's teenage diary, maybe these things might warrant a re-entry into the big leagues. But then interviewing some crackpot teenager healing people in a field in Massachusetts. I keep thinking, he goes out of town for weeks, putting himself up at a motel for an online magazine that only pays $150 a story. Even if the motel is cheap, the trip would cost way more than $150 per diem. For journalists, it doesn't really exist anymore like it used to. Not to mention salaries, but still, it's a bit much. 
especially for a cattle mutilation story. Granted, the unholy is not supposed to be an accurate depiction of today's gig economy for freelance journalists, but the fact that I was distracted by the La La Land portrayal of journalism is indicative of the film's inability to hold anyone's interest. However, cinematographer Craig Robleski pours out the irritability with off-center angles, a wintry palette, and a conception of the town as a scary place, with scary-looking churches and scary-looking woods and scary-looking rundown buildings like any old town you find in Boston. Yeah. So the mood itself is frightening. Jeffrey D. Morgan is always an interesting actor and character in some films, and here he fills up what is a pretty underwritten role with Fifty Shades of Dissatisfaction and awareness of his many shortcomings. But even he cannot single-handedly create a friendship with Alice through one conversation about music. I guess he doesn't like country. I don't know. There's supposed to be a big emotional payoff for this friendship. The payoff doesn't come, unfortunately. So, when the lady, as Alice calls the Virgin Mary, starts going after doubters, haters, and skeptics, Alice keeps saying, sounding like a tyrant, doubt weakens faith and doubt leads to damnation. Her uncle calls in the church bigwigs a bishop, played by Carrie Elves, with appropriate Boston accent. Hey, get in the car, get on the harbor, get my khakis. Sorry, I <laughs> gotta put that in there. And a hot, scruffy Monsignor, played by Diogo Magrado, to investigate the miracles Alice performs. Meanwhile, her fame grows and she goes viral. I'm sorry, um, Mr. Morgado, I guess. If I butchered your name. I am, I am so sorry. I apologize. Moving on. You might even call her an influencer. There are a couple of shots of a girls across the land watching the YouTube videos of Alice performing miracles. And these girls are weeping, feeling seen. If Alice can do it, I can. Alice didn't fit in either, and now she's a saint. So there's hope for me too, I guess. Sure. This is the most intriguing aspect of the unholy, almost bordering on satire. We see it all the time, influencers hawking curated lifestyles to the masses, who swallow it whole and then act betrayed when it's discovered the emperor has no clothes. What? <laughs> Where did that come from? I have no idea. So people are putting up on they're being put on pedestals for a brief shiny moment before disillusion comes. And the mob arrives, wielding pitchforks for the same person who was idolized the day before. So, do not misunderstand me. The Unholy is a good, tight, scary, commercial, theological horror film. It spooks and demons unfurl with a pop version of Christianity. Which makes it sound more, no one no more exotic than last week's Exorcist knockoff or last year's Helping of the Conjuring franchise. But, The Unholy has a religious plot that actually works for it. The trouble with too many horror movies is that they collect all that technology and timing and Richter's grin in the medicine chest mirror creepiness to basically say, boo! So watching The Unholy, I jumped a few times, I'll admit that. But beyond the scary factor, the film's burgeoning demon becomes a true character who reveals her nature in a kind of evil dance of the seven veils. She's as hypnotically possessed as the long black-haired specter in Ringu. And she moves with an ominous herky-jerkiness that evokes the spider-walk scene that got restored for the 2000 re-release of The Exorcist. The film's imagery is out of a Christian nightmare. The stigmata, in this case, religious statues with elegant tears of blood. The figure of Mary herself, who within the cloak wears a black mask that marks her as a haunted marionette of death. Just like marionettes. Sorry. 
No, she's not that Mary. She's not. She's Mary Eleanor, a 19th century woman who performed miracles by channeling not God, but Satan himself, the father of all lies. In 1845, she was home from a tree, the dead one that draws Alice, a mask nailed onto her face, and, and which is paying homage to the chilling prologue on Mario Bala's Black Sunday, and burned alive. Now that she has come back, a figment of the devil disguised as the spirit of the Virgin Mary, and she's working through Alice, who believes her visions are a force of good. The thought that the bishop played by Carrie Elves is a religious politician, and he makes his way to make that tree a holy shrine, like the ones at Lords of Fatima. At the climax, when a crowd gathers in a tent to see the host, the service of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, you can feel the bad vibes gather as surely as the prom climax of Carrie. This movie doesn't rewrite the book of religious horror. It goes fairly strictly by the book. But it's the rare contempo horror film that actually has faith in the story it's telling. The balance in this movie is that the investigative thriller with supernatural horror works up to the point. Bolstered by the eerie quasi-ecclesiastical uh, sounds of Joseph Bichard's score. There are effective elements in Felicity Abbott's production design, too, but as the rundown motel where Jerry shacks up with its flickering red neon. Why do they always find motels with flickering neon lights? That would bug the living shit out of me. I would have to go out there and either break the light or unplug it or something. Anyway, I digress. But as tragedy strikes, the lady's appearance becomes less benevolent, and Jerry starts to untangle the distinction between divine and sinister forces. The movie devolves into cheap tricks and borderline silliness. Nobody should ever have to follow the exit of a screeching ghoul that vaporizes in a whoosh of ash with lines like, Now? Now do you believe me? I mean, for fuck's sake. Seriously. Get a hold of yourself, people. So the unevenness of the storytelling as its set pieces may partly have been caused by interruption in the shoot due to pandemic lockdown and the resulting difficulties wrapping production. There are some cool effects, like the ink melting off the pages of the holy text, and others that might, you know, are, are tired visual cliches, like a spontaneous combustion crucifix. I know, it's, it's getting old, people. Start using your fucking imaginations. The longer tricky old Mary drones on her with evil threats, the less scary the entity becomes. By the time she starts swooping around, turning the Feast of the Immaculate Conception to a black mass, she's become a drag, like the less intimidating sister of the nun. <laughs> For a more satisfying fix of New England pagan horror, I'm going to back off of Robert Eggers' The Witch. Not even going to touch that one. Anyway, although there is that vague hope of faith due to the worn territory of religious horror, and the premise of testing your faith, somehow the devil is always testing our faith every day, even in movies. So yeah, I have a weak spot for movies that are about exorcisms and possessions, and this movie is nowhere near as good as The Exorcist or The Exorcism of Emily Rose. But it is up there, no doubt, with the jump scares. Sam Raimi is producer here, and it's hard not to think about how he might have minded his material both for provocation or for fright. His driving to hell remains the gold standard of how to scare the heck out of an audience with the restrictions of PG-13. So in the closing, what we get here instead here is a tepid little chiller with an overqualified cast, which also includes Katie Asselton as a local doctor, 
there's not a lot of a local flavor on display, and the low budget shows when Alice's miracles don't attract a throng of hopefuls waiting to be cured. So, essentially, in the end, I feel as this movie is more about exploitation than provocation. And I'm really disappointed that Jeffrey D. Morgan didn't say, hey, get the salt, or get some kind of iron, you know, to scare some ghosts away, whatever. I was really hoping they'd throw that in some kind of supernatural reference in this movie. That would have made it perfect for me. But, like I said, it's a movie about exorcisms and possessions, and I am a sucker for those kind of movies, but I was disappointed with this one for some reason. The special effects were good. The acting was eh, mediocre. The storyline, the premise was good. The principle was there, but an overall score, I'd probably have to give like a seven and a half. Maybe that's marginal for me. So, with that being said, thank you for listening, you magnificent sons of bitches. Stay creepy, my friends, and don't let the devil take you, okay? Just saying. He's a bad dude. Don't follow him. <laughs> all right, folks, I'm out of here. Take care. Love you all, and be safe.